Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome.
Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, once again, we appreciate the Lord for uh, this grand opportunity just to come around His weight and have a word of fellowship. Uh, I believe that the Lord is taking good care of you and may He continue to preserve you. It is our heart's desire. I want to speak this evening on the elders. Uh, the elder brother's syndrome, the elder brother's syndrome. But before we go to the reading of the word, shall we just bow our heads for prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you for your grace and mercy. We appreciate you for your protection upon your children. We appreciate you for a healing that you have granted unto your children. And Lord, even those that are sick, may you undertake for them. Those that have lost, lost loved ones, may you comfort them. Those that are looking for jobs, may you provide jobs for them. Whatever need that is out there, may you grant it so that they should be a testimony when it comes to you being the God of deeds. We worship you because we know that you are the able God. We know that, dear God, you've got an impeccable track record. Since the beginning of time, you have never disappointed humanity, especially when they have come to rely on you. Every promise that you made, you kept it. And dear God, that is why we can approach you with confidence this evening and say, may you grant the people their hearts desires, especially during this time. We commit everything to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. Uh, we appreciate the Lord for everything. As I said, I'm going to brother's syndrome. The elder brother's syndrome is what I want to speak about tonight. <clears throat> now, let's just turn to our scripture from the book of Luke. We'll read from the book of Luke. Uh, Luke 15, verse 11 to 16. There's still other verses that we are going to read, but just to get a background to our text. It reads in this manner, if it has been found. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, 
there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a city of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain, he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. We are just getting a background before we get and unpack what I would call the elder brother syndrome, but just looking at the prodigal son or the developments that led to the elder brother syndrome coming to the surface. Now, Brother Brenham is telling us, and it is one message that he preached, the title was The Prodigal Son, but the recording was so bad that certain portions of that sermon were inaudible. But the little that was captured on tape, Brother Brenham really managed to vividly paint a picture of what life was like in the household of the prodigal son. Brother Brenham tells us that the father and the mother were believers. He tells us that they were what we would call church people. He tells us that they had prayer at home. He tells us that the prodigal son was raised as a godly son. And we are told later on in the very same spoken word that what led to the prodigal son having the desire for the inheritance earlier than the time that the father had in mind was simply because he got involved in a wrong, with a wrong crowd. He had a bad company. Now, maybe Brother Brenham says in the message, the prodigal son, paragraph 15, he says, look, brother, when you come down to the end of this life's journey, you will wish you had lived a holy, clean life before God. Be sure to remember that so the pro the brother Brenham's opening statement in that message is reminding us that when you come at the end of the life's journey, you would wish that you would have lived a clean life, a holy clean life. And I think the reason he painted or he made that remark, his desire or any desire of any minister is that none of believers should ever come to their deathbed as, as prodigal sons and as prodigal daughters. So that means you've got to make your life while still time uh, permits. Now, we, we are going to, Brother Brenham says, when the time came where the prodigal son approached, he initially approached the mother. It, 
It always starts on the mother's side where he painted a picture of what his plans were, that life had become monotonous in the house, that all they could speak about, it was church. All they could speak about was prayer. So he wanted to check out of the family, if I would use the language that young people would understand. He wanted to check out of the family that, look, I am done with what I would call the customs of the family. I want to live, I want to go out and experience life for myself. I want to go out there, have a good time with my friends. I want to go out there and not be under parental supervision. I want to be an independent young person. I need a part of my inheritance. I believe that the mother must have been initially dismissive and told the young man that there's no way you're still too young to make such decisions. But I guess that as he persisted, I realized that the mother must have realized that in order to stop this pestering, we have to get the father involved in the discussion. And the young man approached the father and said, it's time, I need a part of my inheritance. I need it to go. You can imagine it must have broken the parents' heart because every parent has a certain vision certain wishes, certain path that they would want their children to follow. But in this instance, it looked like what the parents had in mind was worlds apart to what the prodigal son had in his mind. He wanted to go out. He wanted to go and experience life. I can imagine he must have told them that yes, in this family, I've heard you guys singing Amazing Grace. I don't know what grace is because I was never out there and I never experienced life. So I want to go out and experience life. The reason I'm bringing it to the fore, it is exactly the gospel that Satan is preaching to the young people in the end time, that you were raised in a message church, you were raised in a message family. It's about time you go out there and experience the things for what they are. Now, young people have got to understand one thing. When you enter the world, you are far, far behind in terms of the trends, in terms of the developments in the world. So you're going to play a catch-up and they are going to teach you while destroying you at the fastest pace. Now, the prophet in the same message, the prodigal son, paragraph 22, he says, look at this prodigal this afternoon in our instance here, this evening, depending on what, on the time zone that you find yourself in. Where he was, where's the place for a Hebrew there could be is a pig pen. But before I get to there, the prophet speaks about how Later on, he decided to leave. And the parents realized that we, cannot, we can't 
persuade him otherwise, we have to let him go. And they had, Brother Bremen said, the mother was there, ironing the clothes with tears streaming down her cheeks. Just to think of what was lying ahead of this dear son that he had raised very well. Now, they had a prayer, then he left. Let me put it this way. Brother Bram says, they were on a hill. That means when he left, it was downhill. It is always much easier to come downhill than to go uphill. So, leaving home was easier, and we are going to unpack it. Now, he was a Hebrew, but when he left home, it never crossed his wildest imagination that he would find himself in a pig pen. Now, let us check how he came to the point where he came to, where he opted to check out of the family. Now, in this message, Protocol Son, paragraph 22, the prophet says, but one day, this younger son, let's say he would start going out with a group that he had no business going to. It always starts with a group. Listen, young man, here this afternoon, and young lady, just as soon as you get out from under Christian influence, you are in bad hands. You are on the road to back right then. Remember that. Just as soon as you get from under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I don't care who the boy is or who the girl is, if they are not saved, keep away from them. That's exactly right. And mean you too. So the prophet is warning young people, but in the same vein is warning everyone else. He says how he got where he got to, it was because of bad company. Let me tell you something. A dog that sleeps with fleas will wake up with fleas. Every person that you spend time with, they would somewhat uh, influence you. That is why your mannerism may mirror them. Your vocabulary may mirror their vocabulary. Spending time together allows them to influence you or either way. But this young man got involved with the wrong group. I can imagine they must have told the young man that, look, it is very boring because we speak about quite a lot of things, but you are quite clueless. All you know is about church. Every time we plan a party, you tell us about that you are going to church. Every time we speak about having a little bit of drink, you tell us about church. We are somewhat absolutely tired of you always speaking about church. You need to get some life. And that is exactly what he was trying to do. But Brahman says the first thing that he made was to keep a bad company. And he says this goes for everyone. Every time when you find a downfall of a believer, 
when you check the genesis of that downfall, you'll find that there was initially bad company that was kept. Now, the prophet is warning. He says, stay off the enemy's ground. Here, I need to emphasize something. Stay off the enemy's ground. You cannot. We are told that when an eagle fights a snake, does not fight the snake on the ground. It picks up the snake and takes the snake in the air, and the snake in the air loses the composure or posture, and that is how the eagle will be able to deal with a snake. What we know, a crocodile will pull a prey into the water because into the water, that is where the crocodile is able to fight and overcome a prey. Now, here is my question to you. You can never fight the enemy on his grounds. You've got to pull the enemy onto your grounds. And the ground of a believer, it is the weight. Anytime, anytime you attempt to fight Satan outside the word of God, you are assured of defeat. And every time you fight the enemy, when you are in the weight, it is guaranteed you are going to be victorious. That is why the first thing that the enemy will do, and as he does often, is to pull you out of God's weight. And when you are out of God's weight, then you are on the enemy's ground. And he is going to overtake you. The problem today, I, I think it is in the message, a kingsman redeemer. Brother Brandon was speaking about the uh, pending elections in America. And he said with the elections coming up, there was a minister. And this minister was quite a good orator. And he was co-opted by politicians to run to become a mayor of the city. Now, he was a minister. Then as soon as he left and was co-opted by politicians, the prophet in that message says, he was then overtaken by the enemy. He says because he got off his ministerial grounds. And he says every time you leave God's grounds, you get onto the enemy's grounds, you are bound to be defeated. Here's my question as we move along. Are you on the right grounds? Are you fighting Satan on the right ground? Or have you moved from the ground that was designated by God and you are onto the enemy's ground and you are trying to fight the enemy on his ground? I can tell you, you are definitely going to lose that battle. But if you remain on God's ground, you are not going to be defeated in any way. And young people have got to hear me and hear me very well. Anytime you move and you attempt to fight Satan, on his grounds, I don't care how clever you think you are, you're going to be overtaken by the enemy, and the ultimate stage is going to be destruction. But let us come to this. In the message, Prodigal Son, paragraph 25, he says, but that's the attitude of young people, isn't it? 
I want to do like the rest of them does. It is always a case where young people will say, I want to do like the rest of them does. The prophet says, don't never, don't never you pattern yourself by them, pattern by Jesus Christ. So the prophet says, don't pattern yourself after your friends. And in certain instances, we can take it further. Don't pattern yourself after the relatives. I can take it further. Don't pattern yourself after your church. Don't pattern yourself after your pastor. The only right pattern to be patterned after is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we are moving right along. The prophet says, he speaks about when the prodigal son was about to leave. Prodigal son, paragraph 27. He says the Bible said it would be this way. Paul speaks it without natural affections. That's the way it is today. The child rules the home now instead of the father and mother. Here let me pause a bit. The child rules the home today instead of the father and mother. And McDonald's realized this and made it their marketing strategy. 80% of times when parents pull over at McDonald's, it is not their own decision making. It will be the children making that decision. I do not say it is wrong to go to McDonald's. I mean, if your children desire something and it is not contrary to the weight, you are most allowed to, to treat them. But it's a demonstration of how even marketers have realized the power of influence that the children have as far as the purchasing powers that lies in families are concerned. We can go on and on. Most of purchases that are taking place in households are influenced by children. I say it is not wrong, but it is wrong when children influence the parents to act contrary to the word of God. Here, let me pause a bit. We've seen great men, great preachers. And hear me, I'm not saying the children are not going to backslide. Billy Paul backslid, a son of a prophet, jumped through the window, became a smoker and a drinker. His testimony is in the, is in the public domain. But uh, look how stern Brother Brenham was on Billy Paul. And say, Billy Paul, I will not accept this. This is not the path that you should take. I disapprove this path. Now, this, it shows the, parents, the children can backslide, but you as a parent, you still need to remain on your ground, on your God-given ground. But a lot of times, and especially in the pastoral circle, there is nothing that leads a church to a quicker destruction than for the pastor's children to go wayward and never be corrected. Where deacons are afraid of the pastor's children, uh, elders are afraid of the pastor's children, they are wayward, they drink, they come to church, they live however way they want, they come to church. That is the quickest way to pollute that church. So a pastor has got to have a backbone, 
His wife has got to have a backbone. The elders have got to have a backbone to keep the church of God pure. Now, he says, the Bible said that it would be this way. Paul speaks it without natural affections. That's the way it is today. The child rules the home now instead of the father and mother. They are the one who does the talking. It's a shame. Without natural affection. I can see the mother pet his cheeks. To extend that, before his departure, when Brother Branham dramatizes it, he says the mother wanted to give this boy a hug, to a farewell hug, and the boy turned this way. I can imagine the father extending a handshake and the young man just brushed the hand. He was done with the family. He was living. He was looking forward to what they call the new me, the new life, the new experiences, the new environment, the new people, the new location, the new mindset, the new personality, not knowing that the end thereof was going to be a distraction. He had lost the natural affection for his parents. He had developed an obsession with his friends. Young person, let me tell you something. There's absolutely no way that you can please your parents and please your friends at the same time. I repeat, there's absolutely no way that you can please your parents and your friends at the same time. A lot of times, at some point in time, there will be the loggerheads. Unless your friends believe as your parents believe. If your friends and your parents do not share the same belief system, what is going to happen inevitably is going to lead to a conflict of some sort. That's why you've got to sober up. And I say, if you happen to be on a wheelchair, there's never a friend that will come to your home to invite you to a party and push you on a wheelchair is not going to happen. It is your mother that will push the wheelchair. It is your mother that will clean up after you. It is your mother that is going to bath you. It's your mother that is going to be there and pray for you. So while it is, common sense dictates you rather listen to your mother more than to listening to your friends. Now, but the young man... In Protocol Son, paragraph 31, it says, and now that's the way of the attitude nearly of young people today. This young son's feeling the same way. He said, Mother, I don't want no more to do with this family. All you do is go to church. That's all I hear. He was done and said, look, I'm done with church. All I hear in this house is the prophet all I hear in this house is what the pastor preached about. All I hear in this house is about prayer. It's about the word of God. I am done. I am done. I'm interested in popular culture. I want to speak about new trends. I want to speak about new places, cool places to hang out at. I want to, I want to keep up with the Jones. I want to live in current time. This is, this is all. Too old-fashioned for me. I'm done. I'm leaving the family. And he left. As Brother Brenham says, 
When he left, it was downhill. And it says the old mother and the old father came out. And they looked at him as he was going down. Maybe they stood in the veranda. And they waved, but the young man was not even looking back. He thought he was done with this life. He thought, I am no longer, I'm no longer going to subject myself to this. I found myself. I am in touch with who I am. This is me. I'm living. I'm done. What I was doing, it was to impress the parents. But now I'm going to live the kind of life that I want. He left. Downhill, well fed, well prayed for, well nourished, well supported. He left. He looked handsome. He looked radiant when he left. Everything was in order. Money was in the bank. He had money. He had ways. He had thought of ways that he's going to sustain himself. He had everything figured out. He left and he said, I'm not going to come back here. Oh, brother. Paragraph 36, same message, prodigal son. Notice. And I can see him in the grade, in the places with gambling devices. Here are the latest gadgets. And whole walls of ill fame and so forth. And after a while, his money was gone. And his friends were gone. He was a popular boy. He could, have, he could have a date with any of the girls. But when his money was gone, they were gone with the crowd. That's just the way the devil leaves you. As long as you've got money and popular, all right. But when that time wears out, you are finished. That's all before the world. This goes for us, even others. When things are going right, when there is money, you've got friends, you've got people that respect you, job experience that. Now look at this young man. Now, he went to the far country. He had money. He was popular. He could date any of the girls in the far country. I can imagine that in the far country, there must have been some parents, although not as revelated as this boy's uh, parents, but they must have wanted to raise their girl children in the right way. Now here comes the boy, loaded with money. I can imagine the disruption that his popularity may have caused in families. I can imagine girls that never went home because they were hanging out with this boy. I can imagine girls that were spoiled by this boy. I can imagine young men that looked up to him and thought they were oppressed by their parents. Look, sometimes it takes in a town just for one parent to have a flat where he puts a boy and they live and work somewhere else and that flat is owned by this young boy. He's still in high school, he's got that flat and the parents are just sending him money. That flat through that boy will destroy so many young people in that city. Sometimes, 
some children are being spoiled not because their parents are not sound parents. They are spoiled because some parents become careless and their children become what I would call a cancer in the society. Parenthood is a teamwork. You need me as a parent. I need you as a parent. You are raising a child. I'm raising a child. If you are raising a child with a good influence and I'm raising a child with a good influence, then we are raising a society with good influence. But look at the boy. As long as he had money, he was popular. Oh, brother. But there came a time where money ran out. Brother Branham says, then money ran out. Dry, uh, uh, dry weather friends were gone. That's what he called them. He says, I can see, in paragraph 35, I can see him get with the big crowd down there. And as long as his money lasted, he was a good fellow. That's the way the world treats you. As long as you've got money, you've got friends. But when your money is gone, your friends are gone. That's dry weather friends. That's what the young men experienced when money ran out. I can imagine he used to go to a place. They used to call him, when are you coming? But now when he's coming to them, he's been told they are not around. He's been told, I'm busy. He's been told, I'm not available. Friend after friend, friend after friend. Those that used to seek his attention, he's trying to seek their attention and they're turning him down every corner. Friends are gone. Money is finished. Parents are not there. Without God, without parents, without any support structure, the young man is now in a foreign country. But he's got to find a way to make a living. And someone is linked up to somebody that had pigs. Now he goes there to take care of the pigs. Prodigal son, paragraph 37. And he joined himself with a citizen of the country. And the citizen gave him two big slop buckets to go slop the hogs. Think of a place, a Jewish boy, brother, out there sloping hogs in the pig pen. Away from mother, away from religion that once that he once had to keep away from hogs. Now he was rooting in them. The devil will shame you. The devil will make you popular and will elevate you and lift you up. But when he drops you, he will drop you so hard as he did with this young man. He was a Jew. He had no business with the pigs, but here he is rooting right in them, eating with them, eating husks. But here is something beautiful. While he is there, because I need to rush to an important segment, while he is there, I can imagine, you know, it reminds me of Samson, when Samson was there and Philistines were making fun of him, and all the people were there making fun and preliminaries were there because he was now a son of God that was raised to overcome an enemy, was now a clown of the enemy. What a tragedy. 
sons and daughters of God that were raised to overcome the enemy, becoming a cl clowns of the enemy. Until he said, oh Lord, once more, thought of the testimonies that he had. I can imagine this young man, while he was there with the pigs, he must have been thinking. He must have gone down the memory lane. And remember the pictures when he was dedicated in church. He must have remembered the role that he played in church. He must have remembered the godly parents that he had. He must have remembered every time there was a good meal. He must have remembered I had a solid support structure. He must have remembered the prayers that his mother prayed over his life. He must have remembered the prayers of his old father. He must have remembered the kind of family that he was raised in. But now he's here defeated. He's here as a Jewish boy in and among the pigs, in a pig pen. But while he's there, Something happened. The Bible said he came to himself. It's a journey. He came to himself. Luke 15, verse 17 to 19. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Who? Oh, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He realized, in my father's house there is a meal. In my father's house there is spiritual nourishment and as well as natural nourishment. But here I am. I'm subjected to hunger. I'm eating what I'm not supposed to eat. My pride has driven me to this. When I left, I was rebellious. I was arrogant. I, had, I know it better than attitude towards my parents. But here I am in the far country. And the Bible says he began to come to himself. It's a journey to come to yourself. It's a journey to come to a realization. It involves introspection. It involves self-interrogation. It involves looking yourself in the mirror and coming to an acknowledgement. I am not how I used to be. My prayer life is not how it used to be. My routines, spiritual routines, are no longer as they used to be. It involves interrogation. It involves self-assessment. It involves self-criticism. It involves a difficult conversation with oneself. How did I arrive where I am? He came to himself. He was not himself. The normal self, he was godly raised. He was prayer-centered. He was a son. 
But when he was no longer himself, he was sinful, reckless. He was now thinking and desiring to be a servant. What he thought life would be did not turn out how he thought it would be. He had lost himself in the process. But I want to say he left himself while he was in his parents' house. He left because he had to come to himself. When you come to yourself, that means there was a time where you left yourself. So he left himself while he was in his parents' house. The moment he thought prayer was boring, the moment he thought church service was boring, the moment he thought reading the Bible was boring, the moment thinking listening to parents was boring, he was losing and moving away from himself. He was losing himself, but he was thinking, I am finding myself. We are losing young people today because they say, I must find myself. You will never find yourself except you find yourself in Christ. Any other time when you try to find yourself outside the parameters of the weight, you are surely going to lose yourself. Even adults, it's applicable to you. Now, now he was with the pigs, eating with them, smelling like them. What a terrible, what a terrible sight for a Hebrew boy. What a terrible sight for a, a Christian. What a terrible sight for a message believer to gravitate to those lower levels. Deity, far away from home, far away from God, far away from prayer, far away from sanity. Thinking in a pig pen. When he came to himself, he said, I will arise. I will go to my father's house. The master, the citizen that he was responsible for his pigs, told him, <laughs> If I had a son like you, I would never accept such son back. Every time when you want to come back to God, there is always a discouragement that God will not accept you. But it's a lie from the pit of hell. He arose and left the far country. Came back when he left, he looked radiant. When he came back, he looked pale. When he left, he looked well-nourished. When he came back, he was malnourished. When he left, he was in shape. When he came back, he was thin and frail. When he left, he was thin. When he came back, he was dirty. When he left, 
He had his chest out. But when he came back, his head was hanging down with shame. Pride was replaced by shame. Moved on. Not back coming back as a son. He wanted to be a servant because he had seen even servants in my father's house are treated better. Going down, going to the far country, it was downhill. Now coming back, it was uphill. It required every muscle in his body. It required every ounce of energy. It required every strength of his body. He moved, limping, coming back, broken, shamed, down, dirty, stinking. But he was coming back. It was an uphill. Can you imagine the people of his village when they saw him coming back? Some of them could hardly recognize him. He looked like a stranger. They had to look several times. I can imagine one of them said, it's him. Must have laughed at him. You look different. Are you sick? Those are some of the snide remarks that he had to endure coming back. The mockery of fellow people that he left behind for the life in the far country. Young men that he grew up with giggling along the way. Parents that knew him and were jealousy of his parents because he was a well-managed child must have passed some unpleasant remarks towards him, but he had to endure that in order to come back to his father's house. Falling is easier, but repentance is harder. Living is easy, coming back is harder. But I'm glad he soldiered on. Now, coincidentally, the mother and the father were just enjoying the sunset and were there in the veranda, just enjoying the scenery. I can imagine the mother, the son never left the mother's mind, as it is always the case. They must have been she must have been talking to her husband. And I will say, I wonder how Junior is doing. I wonder if he is well tonight. I wonder if he, he became responsible with his inheritance. I wonder if he's able to overcome the bad influence of the far country. The old father looked at the mother and said, Honey, we prayed for him. The Lord is in control. We may not reach him, but by prayer, we can reach him. We have prayed for him. All is going to be well. God will answer our prayer. 
While they were there, they see a form of a being coming down there. Must have been the mother that leaped and said, it's him. And the father must have looked and said, are you sure? Say, that's my child. I know how he walks. That movement, it's him. He doesn't look like his old self, but it's him. The father must have said, you're correct. It's him. Halfway towards the home, the father went down to meet the son, the prodigal son, halfway. God will always meet you halfway. When the devil wants to pull you, just take one step. God is going to meet you halfway. And the father came down and found and hugged the prodigal son and took him and gave him the ring. And the young man said, I just want to be a servant. Oh, I can imagine the old father with his arm around the young man say, once a son, always a son. <laughs> once an eagle, always an eagle. I don't care where you have been. I don't care what you have done. I don't care. I'm glad that you are home. The father hugged the boy, gave him a ring. Often I say it symbolized the relationship, that our relationship has got no beginning and it will never have an end. Slaughtered the fastest calf, called for a celebration. The brother that was lost is now back home. The son that was lost is now back home. The young man must have been saying, I knew my father loved me, but now I know more than ever before he loves me. Oh my, what a time of jubilee. What a time of reconciliation. Look, the father was not interested. Where is part of your mind? No, this was a time of full embrace. You came as you are. I'm accepting as you are. I don't care what happened. I'm glad that you're home. I'm glad that you found your way back to your father's house. And while they were there, celebration going on. Luke 15 verse 25. Now, Now, his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, Thy brother is come. And thy father has, has killed the fattest calf because he hath received him safe and sound. I, the expectation, when you are told your younger brother is, is back, you should be in celebration. Are you, are you for real? But not the elder brother. And he was angry. 
and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. The brother refused and said, look, I'm not going to be part of the celebration. I'm not going to go in. When did he come back? How did he come back? Is he still alive? Now, the father called him. And the father, he, and he, he answering said to his father, Lo, this many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou, thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. A poor understanding of grace. He thought what made him good in his father's house was his deeds. This was a legalistic approach. I kept all the commandments. I'm a well-mannered boy. I never left as he left. I was here when I was needed most. But you never gave me anything to just enjoy with my friends. But as soon as this, th thy son was come, he doesn't even call him my brother. He called him your son. As soon as your son came back, brother, are you not related to him? Now they, they, he does not deem him as a brother. But as soon as this, thy son was come, which hath devoted, devoted thy living with hallows, thou hast killed for him the fattest calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Brethren, the man was not happy that his brother was back home. The man was not happy that his brother was reconciled with God. The man was not happy to him. He, he did some deeds. He, he thought he was being accepted based on his deeds. He couldn't understand until he said, this man that has been reckless with halots, I always say, we have got no record where the elder brother and the younger brother, or the younger brother debriefed with the, younger, the elder brother how life was in the far country. How did he know about halots? That means, Although he never left for the far country, but the far country was in him. Although he never had the developments or the experience of the far country, but the desires of the far country was in him. Here is a backslider being reconciled with God, but the greatest stumbling block is the backslider that never left church. Oh, let me repeat. Here is a backslider being reconciled with God, but the greatest obstacle is a backslider 
that never left the church. All he thought was about his position in the family. Is he going to take my position? I'm the favorite. I'm the blue-eyed boy in this family. He'd rather not come back. It would have been better if my brother could have died in the far country than to be reconciled to the father. How terrible it is. A lot of times we focus on the prodigal son and the imperfections and the discretions and the mistakes of the prodigal son, but we fail to see a self-righteous, a proud attitude or the entitlement of the elder brother thinking now I'm the only one. I'm the one that is remaining. We do have such people when one backslide, they say, we are the ones remaining. We are the ones going to heaven. Let me tell you something. You are not going to heaven. Your attitude shows it. If he was going to heaven, if he was a genuine material, he would have reached even servants that do not understand the message of the house are rejoicing. That he's back. But here is a son. Here is a man that kept the law. Here is a man that lived upright. Here is a man that never left for the far country. But he's upset. He's angry. He rejects the younger brother and say, no ways. There's no way that he should be back. And he starts making comparison. Here is my question. I have seen Many a times when one backslides and people meet a backslider in the street and a backslider does not experience love, they experience a funny looks, judgment, self-righteous attitude. I remember there was a time where a young man had backslidden and now was coming back to church after so many years when he came back to church there was an elder that was there. Immediate after church, when we're happy for the young man coming to church, it was somewhere where I was. And when we're happy that the young man is back to church, here comes an elder, looks at the young man and say, you look way too thin. Are you sick? I looked at this man. I said, this man is preaching for us. This man is an elder. This man has been around. Why is he not rejoicing? that this young man is coming back to church, I realized that this elder had an elder brother syndrome. There are people that think they are more believers when others are backsliding. And when those that have backslidden are being reconciled, they get angry. I never left the message. I've been around. I've attended all the conventions. Yes, you have attended all the conventions, but you do not understand the template called grace. The message adoption. Paragraph 141. Brother says, I went after a brother not long ago. He had gone, went astray. A young fellow said to me, said, leave that rascal go. Let him alone. What breaks my heart, what sends the shivers down my spine, is that you find 
message believers wishing that other message believers can backslide. What breaks my heart is to find message believers rejoicing because somebody has backslidden. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about people in church. I'm talking about people that read the Bible. I'm talking about people that are preaching the message. I'm preaching. I'm talking about people that are quoting Brother Brennan, rejoicing that a fellow brother or a fellow sister has backslidden. What a shame. Here's a brother to a prophet. The young fellow said, let that rascal go. Let him alone. And the prophet said, I said, his response to the elder brother syndrome, I said, if I ever get to a place that my heart don't go with my brother, then it's time for me to go to the altar because I have fallen from grace. I said I will go as long as he's got breath in his body. And I will catch him somewhere along the line. Yes, sir. And I caught him. Hallelujah. Brought him back. Yes, sir. He's back in the fold safely now. Yes, sir. You would have went astray as sure as the world. That's a direct quotation where Brother Brenham addressed the elder brother syndrome. Now, we have seen that. Even you, parents, I've seen parents rejoicing because other parents' children are backsliding. I thought we have passed an era of competing on silly things. If my children are remaining in good standing in the message, it is not because I'm clever. It's not because I'm an exceptional parent. It's grace. And if my brother's kids or my sister's kids are not in, what I need to do is to go before God and say, God, may you remember them. May you bring a conviction of the Holy Spirit that they may be reconciled. And when they are reconciled, I've seen it many times. Maybe I can give an example. There was a time, some time back, where a sister wanted to come back to church in a certain church. And she would come a month or two and leave. And come back a month or three and leave. Come back a few times leave. Now, a lot of times when people see somebody like that, they begin to say, this one is playing games. You must not call us. We are not interested. Let me tell you something. It does not matter how many times they fall. What matters most is how many times they rise after they've fallen. If a person wants to be reconciled, no matter how many times, we are more than willing to say, brother, the door is open. Here is a question. I've seen a lot of times where a brother used to be a blessing. Maybe he, he used to be a singer, maybe playing a piano, 
and he's coming back, he's reconciled, he's forgiven, and they say, you are forgiven, but stay away from that piano. My question would be, yes, I know, when, once a person comes from the world, there is a cooling off period. But when a backslider comes back, brother, come back, we love you. We love your gift. We want to hear you singing for us. You were a blessing before you left. And we believe that you will be a blessing when you come back. Come back home. Be reconciled with God. That's what matters to us when you are back into the household. Because when you are not around, the family chain is broken. We need a reunion of the family. And as long as your seat is empty around the table, then the family is not complete. Come back home. As I come to the end of my message, the younger brother, even though he had gone to the far country, even though he had become reckless, whatever he was in the far country, it never changed his status in the family. He left as a son, he returned back as a son, he was received as a son. He was embraced as a son. As long as he's there in the far country, no matter how much the elder brother could have done, he would have never replaced the younger brother. Brother, let me say this to you. If a backslider is a son of God, if a backslider is a daughter of God, it does not matter. As long as they are not around the table, the family is not complete. You may have a gift. Maybe they were a singer. Maybe you are a singer. Your gift is not going to replace their gift. Every individual has got a different set of fingerprints because every individual is naturally unique. Even spiritually, every individual is unique. I can never take your place. You can never take my place. You can never take a backslider's place. It belongs to them. And then they come back. They need to be reconciled back to their position. We need to have a way to celebrate as it was celebrated in this house. To be over the moon when a backslider is reconciled. Not to gossip behind the sea. You know what he did. We know what he got up to. And let me tell you something, parents. When you gossip about other people, about their imperfections, you make it difficult for your children to come back when they want to come back because they would say, how my family used to talk about others. Would it be, is it the case that other families would be talking exactly the same way about me? But when somebody has God and your children hear you praying for them and say, we wish him, we miss him, we love him, we wish to have him back, then they would know that one time when they themselves are gone, it's a discussion taking place in families that we want to, we want to see them back. We want to welcome them back into the house of God. And whenever you meet a backslider, remove your judgmental spirit. Embrace a gracious look and say, we miss you. One day it will be great. 
to see you again worshiping because you were a blessing and the day you come back you will still be a blessing but today because of church politics if a backslider backslides in church A church B rejoices and the members of the church B when they meet the backslider they make it harder laugh at him that is not the spirit of christianity i'm going to be i'm going to throw a very controversial statement before i leave you can have a tag of a message believer and not be a christian you can have a tag of a message believer and not be a christian i've seen people with a tag of a message believer but with zero christianity in them no christian bone in them grudges bitterness hating even backsliders that's not a christian attitude a christian attitude is being i think when we need to speak about a message the effect of the message what we call a message what we call a person that has accepted the message of the hour how do they behave how do they manage situations how do they manage even the people that they deem to be their enemies and i believe in recent time we seem to have more of message believer text than just being a pure christian who loves unconditionally who's gracious and know i was once in the street but by great god's grace i have been found and by god's grace i have been placed back into the family may god be gracious to us may we not have the elder brother syndrome if a brother backslid he was a deacon and is coming back and you are still a deacon don't hate him don't be threatened that Uh, is he going to be a deacon when he comes back is he going to be a singer when he comes is he going to be a pianist when he comes back what is he going to be because when you do that you are displaying displaying the symptoms or the traits of the elder brother syndrome rejoice be happy welcome him shake his hand brother we were one man down when you were out but now we have been reinforced We are happy that you are back. And with your experience, you will help others as well. We appreciate you. God bless you. Let's carry on. Let's move forward. That's what we need. May God be gracious to us as we pray. Gracious heavenly Father, we appreciate you for your grace and mercy. May you remove the elder brother syndrome. May we be like a father and embrace prodigal sons and prodigal daughters when they want to come back. May you be gracious heavenly father. May you help us to be gracious as we experience grace. Help us to be humble. Help us to know that it is not by the deeds or our works, it is by grace. And until this far It has been grace after grace. 
I pray for every brother and every sister that is listening on this medium. May you help them. May you grant them their heart's desires. If there are mothers whose children are gone, may you reconcile those children. And if there are those that are in church, may you keep them. May you make the devil your enemy as he's our enemy. And may the intensity of your disregard for Satan, may it be in us where we disregard him. May your love that is in you, even for backsliders, may it be reinforced and be reinvigorated in us. May we love them unconditionally. May we follow up on them. May we visit them. May we show them love until they are reconciled with you, dear God. It's our desire as we commit everything to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. Till we meet on Sunday, 10 o'clock. It has been a pleasure spending time.